New City Church. It is good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is AJ. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City Church, and I am excited to open up God's Word with you uh, this morning. If this is your first time, I just want to say welcome. Uh, I am excited that you are here and you get to worship with us and open up God's Word with us. Um, man, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to do so. Uh, man, here at New City Church, we believe that the gospel changes everything. And we're going to actually unpack that really in our passage today as we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24. And we're just going to keep moving along in our gospel life series. And so over the past uh, few months really, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, uh, seeing how the gospel has given us a new identity uh, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the saints or believers in Ephesus. He's shown them what their new identity is in Christ. And so now as we move into chapter 4 and onward, uh, we're going to see how that gospel identity is revealed and lived out. And so I'm excited to get to like the how-to and kind of the, a little bit of instructions. But before we jump fully into that this morning, uh, Paul is going to continue to emphasize how our gospel identity influences the gospel life we are to live. And so I, I, I feel like I'm, we all can be here, is we want to know how we're supposed to live. Whether we're followers of Christ or not, we're always trying to figure out how we are supposed to live. There's a desire to do things right. And at least for me, personally, I have a fear of doing things wrong. Is this the way I'm supposed to parent in this situation? Maybe you're asking, is this the time to rent or is it the time to buy? Is this, uh, should I go jump into grad school or should I jump into the workforce? Is this the right thing to pursue, or should I pursue this thing over here? Is this the right way to do, and you fill in the blank? I feel like we're always constantly wanting to make sure we're doing things right. And I, I just love when you get to figure it out, too. Like when something clicks and the light bulb goes off, it's like you, even if you were doing something wrong, that's like overshadowed by doing something right. Like the joy of figuring something out. I follow this guy on Instagram. He's like this guy, he just like figures, he's like, looks into how to do new things. And so his like tagline is, do you mean to tell me I could have been doing it this way all these years? And I just, I love it because I keep learning things like how to open a stuck pickle jar. All right, you just like pop it like that. And I was like, I had no idea. Like an iPhone calculator. I don't know, some of y'all probably know this. All right, you're smarter than I am. But if you hit the wrong number, you don't have to clear the whole thing. You just like swipe and it takes the last number that you hit. I'm like, what? All these years I've been doing this? And anyways, it's great. Like how to juice a lemon without making a mess. It's like light bulbs are going off. It's like all these life hacks. And I'm like, yes, Lord, this is what I've been missing. Okay? I love discovering a new and better way. And I love the good life hack. And it's the easy win. And I'm like, this is how we do it. But I also, man, I want to have it all figured out with life too. But I quickly realized that I don't have it all figured out with life, that we live in a broken world and things just don't go as they should, or at least I don't, they don't go as I think they should. We long for a way that makes sense, I long to explain why things are harder than they seem to be, than they should be. And so Paul in our passage today is going to speak to this. 
And over the next few weeks, we're going to see how this like practically plays out time and time again in different areas of our life. And so today, the overarching strategy, though, that Paul is going to lay out is for those who have trusted in Christ, how they are to live. And so our main point, more than the how or the what, is going to be our main idea today is that in Christ we are made new. In Christ we are made new in this reality that there is a new way to live for those who are in Christ. And it will permeate throughout our text as we explore it this morning. And so we're going to dive in what it looks like to be made new in Christ. And the implications that that has for us who follow Jesus. And so let's go ahead and read our passage today. Like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verse 17. This is Paul speaking. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. For this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness, in true righteousness and holiness. And so we're going to just spend the rest of our time this morning unpacking what Paul is saying to the saints or believers in Ephesus, showing them how to live once we are made new in Christ. And so he's going to contrast for those who, how those who do not know Christ live versus how those in Christ are to live. And seeing this, he's going to actually give us a really practical way in our text uh, that we're going to unpack at the end of our time together. And so to help structure our time, there's kind of two blocks that we're going to like sit in. One is we're going to look at distinct walks, and then we're going to move on to looking at the renewing of the mind. And so we're just going to jump in starting at the very beginning of our passage in verse 17, where Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So what we see right out the gate is Paul is reminding the believers that are receiving this letter that he is not writing based upon his own opinions or anything of that nature. No, he is writing on the authority given to him by God. He's saying the Lord has said, and he's calling the saints and believers to not walk as the Gentiles do. That's what Paul is saying with the authority of the Lord. Do not walk as the Gentiles do. And so Gentile isn't referring to just a specific, a specific group of people, but anyone who is not a follower of Jesus. And so back in the day before Jesus' time, there were Jews, God's people, and everybody outside of this people, they were called Gentiles. This is like, like hey, don't live life like a non-iPhone user and text with a green bubble. All right, you have been brought into the land of beautiful synchronicity. Don't go back to the green bubble. Stay in the blue bubble. All right, y'all with me? I mean, hey, if you ain't got an iPhone, there is grace. We love you, okay, here at New City, okay? But in all all seriousness, there's just like, there's this group of people, all right? There's insiders and there's outsiders. You don't want to live like this. And he says, hey, don't walk in this way, walk in this way. Which is going to lead us to our first point for today, which shows us there are two distinct walks. And Paul is showing us there's two ways to walk you can walk as the world walks walk as those who do not know Christ 
what he is calling Gentiles, or you can walk um, as those who have faith and those who have trusted in Christ and who are pursuing righteousness and pursuing holiness. And so what's happening in this passage, for some context, is there are new believers uh, who were not Jewish. They were outside of that, like, people of God almost. And so what they, they came to faith, though, they had learned Jesus, praise God. And so in that, they were having to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. And Paul is now saying, don't walk as you once did, walk a different way. He's calling those who have trusted in Christ to live a gospel life. They've been given a new identity. Now they need to walk in that. Jesus himself, uh, while he was alive, he said to be distinct from the world. He told us to be in the world but not of it. Elsewhere we are called as believers to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. And so there should be a difference between someone who has surrendered their life to Christ and someone who hasn't. And so he's going to show us in our passage today what that distinction looks like. Look with me again at verse 17 uh, through 19. It says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And in this description of somebody who does not know Christ, Paul does not hold back. He is showing us, though, how a person who does not follow Christ and gives us what it looks like and gives us insight into their minds and their heart. Because he starts off, you know, really soft, and he says, they walk in the futility of their minds. I'm like, man, off the top rope, here we go, Paul. But what he's saying is that they're chasing after the things of this world, things that will leave them empty, things that at the end of the day will seem meaningless. They're searching in vain for purpose and all these other things. They're seeking to climb the corporate ladder of success only to realize when you get to the top, it's lonely, and no matter what job you have, that's not going to get you into heaven. They pursue knowledge and continue to know things and more things and more things, only to realize they're never going to know enough to be able to talk their way into heaven. They're darkened in their understanding, far off from God, because they're actually choosing to not seek him. But instead, they want to seek out the pleasures of this world. They think that if they just do what makes them happy all the time, everything's going to turn out okay. If I'm good enough, that's going to be good enough that I can trust the people around me, that they're inherently good, and that there's this kind of darking understanding of how the world is actually working. Our brains tell us, if we're not in Christ, that we, that we know what is good, and we enjoy, if you will, like wandering around in the dark, not desiring to find the light switch at all. Because why would we? Because why wouldn't you want to wander from pleasure to pleasure and from vice to vice? Things that are satisfying us. Because Scripture tells those without Christ have become callous. Their hearts are hardened towards the things of God. The way that we're supposed to live according to Scripture is foreign to them. They're not looking for that. And so we see that they would not put others first, as Scripture calls it. They just put themselves first. And that makes sense. Because they're greedy to practice whatever makes them happy. They're, that's what they're desiring to do. And I get that. If you don't have Christ, that's what you're going to do. And then we read words like sensuality and impurity. 
and our minds might go to something sexual in nature, and I think that's a fair, like, route to go, but what, like, blows me away about this passage is that it, it, le- it says every kind of impurity, leaving that door not just in that room, but all, it's like everything's open, every in type of impurity. Paul summarizes all of this in verse 22 when he says, put off your old self, meaning the way without Christ, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, showing us that really the former manner of life, that life without Christ, is corrupted through our deceitful desires. Our desires are literally deceiving us into thinking that this is going to make us happy. That substance or that job is going to fulfill every desire. That person that you give yourself wholly to outside of marriage, they will make everything come true. This job and you working 100 hours a week, that will make it all worth it in the end. It's deceiving us into thinking this is how things are supposed to work. It's a corrupt way of thinking. And what Paul is showing us is that there are two ways. You can walk in this corrupt and deceiving way or you can walk in the way of Jesus. Because he says, don't walk like this, but instead walk as you have learned Christ. Look with me at verse 20 and 21. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. We see that the believers have been taught a new way to live. But they haven't been shown a list of do's and don'ts. They've been instead shown a person. You have learned Christ. They have learned Christ, not a list of commands, but the person who upheld every command and upholds the law and fulfills the law. They have learned Christ. He says, don't look to this world, but look to the one who came to save the world. He says, the truth, the way to live is found in the life of Jesus. We should look at it and study it. He is the son of God, the savior of the world. The one who has left heaven to come and rescue us, though we were enemies of God, he came down. He is the one who opened the eyes of the blind, and now he opens the eyes of the spiritually blind for those who would trust in him. Y'all, the gospel is this, that Jesus came and lived the life that we were supposed to live and died the death that we deserved. All so that if we would trust in him, we would be called children of God. He describes our reality without Christ, but then he calls us to remember the gospel. He calls us to remember that outside of Christ, we are futile in our thinking, pursuing and going after anything and everything, trying to find our purpose. But we seek it and we seek to fulfill our lives, but we never find it outside of Christ. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is where life is found. He is what is true. He is the way that we have been searching for our whole lives. And so what Paul is saying here is that as we have learned about Jesus and what he has done for us and we believe in it, everything changes. There is now a new way to walk. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I quote it every time I'm up here. Um, it says, behold, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. We are given a new heart. We are given new desires, a new identity, new calling, a new purpose. And this is what Paul is reminding the saints in Ephesus and us here today, that those are in Christ. We are to put off the old and put on the new. 
We see the new described in verse 24. Look with me. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. For those in Christ, not only are we born, and, and all of us in this room, born in the image of God, those who have placed their trust in Christ are now created new in the likeness of him. We have a new identity. We are created in righteousness, clothed in holiness by what Jesus has done. We don't get a new physical body, but we get a new spiritual identity, and we are to walk in that. I want to just kind of pause there, and I want to tell you all about high school AJ, all right? That's a fun guy to introduce you to, all right? Praise the Lord for Jesus. But I remember in high school, I got these, like, new pair of shoes, K-Swiss. Anybody know about K-Swiss? Oh, come on. That's what I'm talking about. They were the bomb. That's another high school AJ thing. Um, but they were white with red and black on the side. Y'all had a fly shoe game. At least I thought I did. <laughs> Y'all know shoes. You're like, that wasn't very fly. But it's okay. I thought my shoe game was on point. I wore these things everywhere. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to crease. You were supposed to wash them up. I didn't know all that. Shoe game's grown a whole bunch, okay? But over time, I wore them things everywhere, all over the place. I mean, I started to wear them things out. They were falling apart. I was skateboarding. The shoes got unlevel. I mean, it was crazy. My feet started to hurt. I'm like, man, what in the world? But I love these shoes. And I was like, well, I don't need my mom. My sweet mama came to me one day. She said, AJ, we need to go shoe shopping. And I was like, no, we don't, mom. My shoes are awesome. We don't need these. I love these things. Now, she was persistent, as only a mother can be. And uh, I didn't want to go, but being a mama's boy, raising mama boys, mama's boys, I was like, okay, mom, let's go. And so we went to the store, and y'all, I'm not lying when I told you this was a life-changing experience. You don't even believe me yet, but you will. All right, we went into the store, and I started looking at shoes, and I was like, mom, I got these K-Swiss, we, we good. And I saw these, like, Nike Airs, and I was like, well, those look kind of fly. Like, let's try these. So I took off the old K-Swiss. All right, and I put my foot just right into that Nike air, and I was like, oh, my Lord. The heavens opened up. The angels started to sing. I was like, and this is, I talked to my mom about it. I put this shoe on, and I felt like real cushion and support. It was like arch support. My shoes were level again. I was like, this was a feeling I'm never going to forget. And I still, to this day, remember that. And I looked at my mom. I said, Mom, it feels like I'm walking on air. This is so comfortable. Why hasn't nobody got me a new pair of shoes? And I'm sitting there, and it was like one of those moments. I literally put off the old shoe. I put on the new shoe. I wore them things out the stove. I was like, let's go. I was ready to go. Now, what would have been a tragedy that would be is if I woke up the next morning, and I went and put on the K-Swisses that were ragged and worn out that hurt my feet instead of these shoes that were made in righteousness and at the time just seemed holy. Okay? Yo, I'm telling you, I ran faster. I lifted more weight. At least that's what, how I remember it. Okay? That's how I remember it. But what Paul is getting at and what I'm trying to explain here is it would be a tragedy if I continue to go back to the old shoe, the old way of life, and put these things on when there was a new shoe right there. There's a new way to walk. Y'all, it's beautiful. And so the question that we have in this goes, now how? How do I walk in the new self? How do I put off the old and I put on the new? And let's look at our text today. We're going to jump back in at verse 22. It says, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. 
and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Y'all, we are to put off the old self and put on the new self all while being renewed in the spirit of our minds. And you're like, okay, we just put it off, we put it on, we be renewed. That's it. Y'all got that, right? There it is. Here we go. I'm ready to go. I'm going to close it up. Um, but I feel like that's really simple for me to stand up here and say, but it's impossible to do on our own. This is what Paul is reminding them. This is why he starts in verse 20 and he says, uh, you have learned Christ. This is where truth and life are found in Jesus. We need a power that we do not possess. We rely on our own self, on our own power, and that's just self-help. And self-help only goes skin deep. What we need to change is not the surface and the look of things. We need to go down to the heart. We need to go to the root of things. And that can't happen in and of ourselves. We have to then turn to the one who makes all things new. We go to Christ. We go to him who makes all things new, including our mind. We are to be renewed in Christ. And so this is the hardest, this is like that tricky part about the Christian faith, is when we accept and follow Christ, there's this beautiful thing called justification. We are his forevermore. We step into it. We place our trust in it. Man, he will never leave nor forsake us. I'm like, let's go, Lord. But the tricky part is that we're not fully redeemed just yet. Because I'm still in my broken body with my broken mind and all these old thoughts and all these old things going on. There is still a lot of growing up that at least I have to do. I thought somebody was about to say amen. I was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) But this is the process of sanctification. This is the work that God is doing in and through us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Our identity is solidified. It is secure in Christ. But our actions, on the other hand, need to continue to be refined, or as Paul is saying, renewed. This is the process of growing into maturity. We see it, and you see maturity happening when you put off the old self and you put on the new, the way of Jesus. But that still doesn't completely answer the question of how. Like, yes, we need to go to the one who makes all things new, but what does that look like? And I'm very thankful that over the next few weeks, we're going to just continue to unpack this. Because this isn't like a 20-minute deal and then you got it. Man, we are going to take week after week and talk about these things. And so today, though, how Paul shows us we are to do this is found in verse 23. It's kind of like hidden in there. And it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To renew in this passage means to replace something that is broken or worn out. Another way to say it is to transform our minds. And this leads us kind of to our second point for today, number two, renewing our minds. And I I don't know about you, but sometimes I read a passage like this, and I'm like, does my mind really need to be renewed? Do you maybe ask, do I really need a new mind? Yes. I don't know you, but you do. All right? Because Scripture tells us this. It says... Man, that we need to have our minds be renewed in this. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And I have loved learning about the power of our minds and 
I love reading these books about this because it's helping me grow into maturity. Because what I, the prevailing thought that came out of all these books that I was reading and out of Scripture is that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Science and all these uh, things are proving now what we saw in Proverbs 23, 7, when it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What are we thinking in our hearts? What are we thinking in our minds? So we are going to be. Y'all, there's great power in our minds. And really, this is where the battle for our lives is being won or lost. This is why Paul is saying that we must be renewed in our minds. This is where we begin to see that God is calling us to go back to him time and time again. And this is what Paul has talked about in this passage before following Christ. And so much of this has to do with our minds. If we remember, he says that they were futile in their thinking. They were darkened in their understanding. They were ignorant. They were callous in their thinking. They were greedy, consumed by thoughts of every impurity. He's talking about the mind here. And so outside of Christ, the person is on the throne of their life. They are in control of everything in their mind. They want to see and pursue what is enjoyable and what is right for them. But we have seen in Scripture today that that is deceitful and corrupt. What we talked about earlier is that our minds are deceitful and corrupt and we have to then put off the old self and put on the new, but that's just not going to be the case completely this side of heaven. And so what we wrestle with is our old thoughts and our old way of thinking. And so our minds must be removed because our minds are immensely powerful. And it makes so much sense. This is where Paul starts as we begin to look into the practical, how do we put off the old and put on to the new? It's one of those things where our mind is so powerful that uh, if things are going awry and you're just in a bad mood, they say that if you focus on things that bring you joy for about 10 minutes, your whole day can turn around. Just 10 minutes. Circumstances don't change. But just if you fill your mind with good, joyful thoughts, if you focus in on the Lord for just 10 minutes, things shift. That's wild to me where nothing else changes. And so for the rest of our time, I just want to focus on what it looks like to have our minds renewed. I want to give some practical tools to this, but before we jump into too much, of that, I just want to remind you that we have to go to the one who makes all things new. That's where it has to begin. And if you're like, man, I don't know the one who makes all things new, man, we would love to talk with you about that today. We would love to talk with you about what it looks like to follow Jesus and to be renewed, to see everything change through the power of the gospel. And so as we walk through kind of some like practical tips, I, I want to be really transparent and know, want you all to know that I'm not that smart. You probably didn't think it anyway, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm not that smart. And so I've read several books and uh, two that I want to highly recommend because this is a, just a journey. Man, it's called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. It's a great book. Man, it's really practical. And then Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio. Man, those are excellent books as we look at winning the war on our mind. These are great for going deeper, and I'm, I'm pulling things out of this as we go. But as we look to see our minds being renewed, we have to realize that we are in a battle. And if we don't realize that, like right out the jump, if we don't realize that we need to be renewed, then we've lost. 
then we're then we're we're continuing to stand in the old self. We're continuing to put on the ragged old K Swisses and not the beautiful new Nikes. Are you tracking with me? We have to realize that, man, there is an enemy who is out there who is seeking to deceive us. He is called a liar and a deceiver. That's what he wants to do. And so we have to then have our minds renewed by the one who makes all things new. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to begin to walk through this and see that we have to wage war in our minds and be renewed. And so I want to just encourage us as we walk through this. I don't want this to become a to-do list, but, man, something to wrestle with as we seek to be renewed in the Lord. And so we have to be, as we wage war, we're going to have to begin to think through what content are we allowing our minds to be filled with. Is it the things of this world or the things of the Lord? And I just want to be really upfront, y'all, I was convicted a lot walking through all of this. So what then must we do? Okay, number one, we have to learn the lies that we're telling ourselves. And now this is hard. This takes work to figure out what lies are we telling ourselves. For me, like personally, one of the lies that kind of came up was I have to do more and more and more in order to be loved and accepted. If I don't do enough, they won't need me and they won't love me. They won't. I don't, I don't have a place anymore. Another lie that I've struggled with is I'm unable to fight the sin. I'm unable to fight the temptation that is there. As a young man, I'm not that young anymore, uh, that was like a constant lie. I'm unable to step in and fight this temptation. I think other lies that we can easily tell ourselves is that our worth comes from a job or from that relationship. We tell ourselves that we're not important, that we're not worthy to be loved. We, we tell ourselves this stuff over and over and over. And it's just hard. It's hard to break out because you dig these like deep trenches and you're like, I just, this is what, this is now my day, this is who I am. And I'm just here to tell you that that's false thinking. It's corrupt and deceiving you into thinking something that you're not. We have to learn the lies that we're telling ourselves. Because the, once we learn the lies that we tell ourselves, then we can now go and we can replace those lies with biblical truth. We can actually go to where truth is found. Not up in our mind, but what we begin to realize is who God is. We go to the character of God and see like, no God, you are good. You are trustworthy. You are steadfast. You are faithful. You are over all things. You are working things for your good and for your glory. We begin to rewire the lies and make them become truths. When, it, when we believe the lie that you are not loved, God says, I love you immensely. I loved you so much that I sent my own son to die in your place. Don't ever think that you're not worthy of love because God loves you. You say, I am not important. Jesus said you were so important that he left his position in heaven and came down to live a life that we were unable to live. And he went and died a brutal, bloody death so that you could realize how important you are. 
when you think that your worth comes from a job or from a relationship. Jesus says, no, that is not your worth. Your worth is based upon who I say you are. I have given everything for you. We get to replace these lies and say, no longer do I believe these. I do not have to do more to be loved. Jesus has done everything to save me. I don't, I'm saved by grace through faith, not of my own works, so I don't have anything to boast in. I boast in Christ and Christ alone. If you think you're unable to fight the sin or temptation, he knows he has equipped you. He has given you the Holy Spirit inside of you to fight that. And nothing is able to overtake our Lord. Y'all, he is, we can take these lies that are out there and we can replace them with what, who God is and what he says in his word. And how we begin to discover these truths is we get into God's word. We begin to fill our minds with the things of God, not the things of this world. And in doing these things, what we begin to see is our kind of third point here is that this idea that prayer and praise will then transform us. We get to declare day in and day out who God is and what he says about us. We get to see that out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. And so what are we filling our heart and our minds with? Is it the things of the Lord or are we filling it with the things of the world? Because we will find opportunities to praise him. We will find opportunities in seeing where he's calling us to cry out to him and be dependent upon him. If my worth is not found in what I do, I know that I don't have to now do everything. I can now go to the one who has done everything. The one is, who is calling me to abide in him, to be renewed in him. Because I know that my strongest thoughts are going to dictate how I then live. So what am I thinking about the most? Am I thinking about pursuing and going after and just consuming social media nonstop? Am I on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok nonstop? Or am I filling my minds with the things of the Lord? And I'm not saying those things are all bad. I'm just saying, man, what are we consuming the most? What are we able to praise God in? What are we able to take God to in prayer? Because as I was thinking about this, where my mind went was the life of Peter was the life of Peter, and we see it during his time with Jesus, we get to see Peter have to be continually renewed. We get to see him walk on water, and then we get to see him sink. We get to see Jesus ask him, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ. He goes, right, I will build my church on you. And then what does he do? He's like, all right, now I need to go get crucified. And Peter's like, hold up, son, come on, not yet. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. And then he's like, then later at the Last Supper, Jesus sitting there and he says, man, you're going to betray me. And Peter's like, I ain't ever going to do that. And he's like, actually, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. And Peter's like, come on, son. You know, and but like what happens? The rooster crows and he denies them. So then he has to meet Jesus back on the beach. And three times he's going to ask him, do you love me? And Peter finally is like, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, follow me, feed my sheep, take care of my people. And so the doer, Peter, as we continue to see him being renewed and renewed and renewed, he's like, wait. And if I was Peter, I'd be like, well, we need to go. We got this great commission. We need to do something. But no, he's been renewed. And he said, wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, y'all, man, that boy gets out there and he preaches a sermon. 3,000 people are saved. People are baptized. The church is born. It's gone crazy. But it just doesn't even stop because then Paul has to rebuke Peter later on. He's got to continually go back to the one who is able to renew. We have a choice each and every day. Are we going to go to the one who will renew our minds? And make us go from futile thinking to fruitful thinking? Will we go from darkened understanding to enlightened and walking in the light? Will we be deceived or will we be filled with truth? Will our hearts be hard and callous or will we be filled with grace and mercy? Each and every day we have this. We are solidified if you have trusted in Christ. But each and every day he calls us to take up our cross and follow him. We have to choose each and every day to go to the one who will renew our minds. Because each and every day we have a choice of which way we will walk. Will you take up your cross daily and follow him? Will we deny ourselves and allow Christ to transform our minds and to think and focus on the things of God? Because when we become heaven-focused, we begin to desire the things of heaven. We begin to desire and care for those around us like never before. When we're able to then say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As in Tampa as it is in heaven. And around the world as it is in heaven. We not only begin to just say it and praise him for it, but then we also get to live it out. We get to go because our minds are called and focused on him. We are able to then declare that, Lord, you shall increase in my mind and I shall decrease and I will follow you all of my days, seeking to bring you glory, honor, and praise. I will walk as a new creation, thinking as, a, as I put on the new self. With a renewed mind, renewed mind, we are able to pursue Christ, all because of what he has done for us. And so we get to do that day after day after day, and we get to see him work in us and through us, through the renewing of our minds, making sure that we're putting off the old and we're putting on the new. And what a beautiful opportunity we have to walk in Christ, to pursue him day in and day out, and choose him over and over, and saying, this is how I will now walk, with a renewed mind and a renewed spirit, because he's the one who makes all things new. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you that you make all things new. That, God, we get to come to you and just even today be like, Lord, I've put back on the old self. God, help me through the power of your spirit put on the new self and walk in that with a renewed mind. God, renew our minds this morning. God, let us stay fixed upon you and what you were doing in your call in our lives, Lord. God, let us continually come back to you where life is found, the living water, the bread of life, Lord. God, I pray that we would rejoice in knowing you and being renewed daily by you. We thank you for what you have done, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.